Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Get Your Go podcast. Yesterday was the first day of the NFL back Thursday night football. The Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What a game that was. Wasn't expecting that. I will break that down. What am I looking for in each of the NFL's first week matchups, the teams that are playing? What am I looking forward to in those games? I'm going to give you my college football picks as well. Last week I was 8-3 and three out of the 11 that I picked. I'm picking 10 this week. Let's see if I can keep the good record rolling. And then I will finish with some MLB talk and how bad the Yankees have been playing. But before I get into last night's game, there are just two things I want to talk about. First is the Baltimore Ravens. Why? Well, things are not looking good to start their season. They have a great rushing team. Uh, the best to me total rushing team, even though they don't have the best running back. They have a great, you know, running by committee with uh, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingrams, Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson the past couple years, but that committee is gone. J.K. Dobbins has torn his ACL. Gus Edwards has now torn his ACL. They signed Latavius Murray. They have Tyson Williams, who has not had one career rushing yard. They signed Le'Veon Bell as well. Devontae Freeman on the practice squad. So this really does hurt this team when you had two young, good running backs in J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, um, who knew their roles. Uh, to me, it's going to be very different now with Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray and others. Uh, I don't know if this rushing attack will be as good now, uh, and I'll be just might, might start honing in on Lamar Jackson because I think he's going to take a majority of the rushing snaps out of the backfield. But that's not the only Baltimore Raven player as well to get injured. Marcus Peters also tore his ACL as well. Uh, star cornerback uh, who I think is very good can, can get burned as well, but he is a ball hawking cornerback. He will make a big play, get you an interception when needed. To me, that's a huge loss because you have Marlon Humphrey, who is the best slot cornerback, you know, in the league. And you've also got veteran cornerback Jimmy Smith. But I think that's now going to put a lot of pressure on the veteran who, you know, was never needed enough on 100 snaps because they had Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey this significantly hurts their defense, these injuries. Now to Marcus Peters, uh, Justice Hill, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, uh, their first-round pick, Rashad Bateman, dealing with a groin injury. All these, to me, do not bode well. Four of these are season-ending injuries. I hope the one with uh, Rashad Bateman, he comes back soon because I think he was a promising rookie out of Minnesota. i like to see him. Uh, but I don't think we will Monday night. But again, a huge loss, all these guys, for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm still confident that they'll make the playoffs, maybe not as high as I initially thought. Uh, the five seed 
It might be six or seven now uh, because of key injuries now to guys all being, you know, ACL and then an Achilles, which is not going to bode well for this team. The other thing I want to mention is TJ Watt signing a mega deal for himself. Four years, $112 million. That includes a $35 million signing bonus and $80 million guaranteed over the next three years. Makes him the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. The average value of the $28 million a year is surpassing Joey Bosa's deal, Khalil Max, Aaron Donald, and company. And good for him. I think, you know, he is a great player to me. Is the second best defensive player in the league behind Aaron Donald. Last year had a very good uh, season for winning defensive player of the year. Led the league in sacks, racks up quarterback hits, tons of pressures as well is just the ultimate Ed Rusher, and he is a good run defender as well. He is, you know, kind of the ultimate defensive package and is great for what the Steelers' defense uses them, can even drop back in a little zone coverage every once in a while, even though he's not called on often to do that. But congratulations to TJ Watt. You earned this. Now keep on earning it for the next uh, four years. I don't think the Steelers will regret this one as he is the focal point captain of your defense for now. Now time to get into last night's game. Cowboys versus the Bucks. What did I notice? What did I see? Well, I predicted a blowout. I said 34-13. to This game was going to be similar to the... Seahawks-Packers 2014 opener where it was 36-16 to Seahawks, but that was not the case. I thought it was too, especially after the early touchdown by the Bucks, the missed field goal by the Cowboys, and I thought, you know, this might just happen, but it never did. Never did. I was surprised. By the Cowboys, I was surprised by Dak Prescott not having any snaps at all, really so far, no meaningful snaps. And he went out, had 42 completions, threw for 400 yards, three touchdowns, had an interception that really wasn't his fault, and it was sacked one time for a quarterback rating of 74 and a passer rating of 101. He was brilliant he was again as I said but one sack didn't get sacked a ton at all uh was pressured a few times but he was very elusive and the pocket looked very comfortable kind of throwing on the run moving around he they even had a design read option where it looked like more like a quarterback draw where Dak Prescott was going to take it no matter what and maybe just to test that ankle out But Dak Prescott came to play and showed why he is himself deserving of this money, even if some of the team around him lets him down. Dak Prescott was amazing. Amari Cooper was not, or I mean, Amari Cooper was great. CeeDee Lamb 
was great, both over 100 yards combined for three touchdowns. Michael Gallup as well looked promising early before the ankle injury. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott never really got it going. Tampa Bay has a stout front seven, and again, that was on display. But again, he only had 11 carries. This is a running back that used to have 20 to 30 carries a game, and Dak Prescott was flinging it as he threw the ball 58 times last night. So this offense looked good, looked like it didn't miss a beat, and can see how potent it is having Dak Prescott and how much a step above he is the other guys that were in last year. His defense still needs work. It looked a little more promising. Micah Parsons was flying around, but he got beat by Leonard Fournette and then by Gronk a couple times in coverage. That is something he has to work on, and some a lot of these cornerbacks got beat in coverage. Now to the Buccaneers. Vintage Brady. To me, Tom Brady had a better game than Dak Prescott. 32 completions. He had less pass attempts. Almost threw for 400 yards at 379. Four touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, to me, uh, both were not his fault. Uh, the Leonard Fournette one, uh, and then the other dropped one as well uh, into the hands of a defender with a quarterback rating of 65, a pass rating of 97. Again, another team that they didn't rush the football as well. They just couldn't get it going, and they just abandoned it early on. Ronald Jones with the early fumble, we never saw him again as well. Leonard Fournette uh, didn't also get it going. So Tom Brady was also dissecting this defense. Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin over 100 yards. Gronk at 90. They had all three of those guys combined for the four touchdowns. Defensively, the front seven again. Stout, Levante David flying over the field. Devin White uh, flying all over the field. They were good. Jason Pierre-Paul stopping the run. Vita Veya with the interior pressure that just kept on getting to uh, Zeke. You cannot leave Vita Veya one-on-one in the inside. And then Shaq Barrett wreaking havoc again on the outside. But the course of this game, to me, the blowout changed when Sean Murphy Bunting went down with the elbow injury where he got burned by C.D. Lamb. Uh, C.D. Lamb faked the screen. Sean Murphy Bunting should not have bit that hard and ran all the way up because that allowed C.D. Lamb to then dust him for an easy touchdown. And to me, this Tampa Bay defense looks very similar uh, to what we saw last year uh, against, you know, the Viking, or my bad, the football team and other teams that they played and had trouble with, the Giants uh, to a degree, the Saints, that you could pass all over this defense. This defense, to me, did not look like the defense that shut down Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they shut down Patrick Mahomes, didn't allow a touchdown, nine points, and first game, Dak Prescott, 29 points, and Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. To me, I saw the same defense I saw the beginning of the season last year and not the end. Now I know uh, practice reps and this is your first real NFL game. 
but Tom Brady did say after the game they have a lot to clean up, and I agree. To me, you can't run on this defense, and I think teams will abandon running on this defense early. I do, especially if Sean Murphy buntings out. You saw Dak Prescott target Jamel Dean time after time after time, and the replacement as well, Cockrell. Again, they didn't really did a uh, target Carlton Davis. He had a one interception off C.D. Lamb. Uh, but if they at least have one shutdown on Carlton Davis that time. But some of the blitzes and pressures, Dak Prescott was picking them up. And this was not Todd Bowles' best defensive game by any means. Uh, Dak Prescott had his way with the Bucks defense. They have a lot to clean up. What else? Do they have to clean up? Well, to me, the drops on both sides. You saw CeeDee Lamb, his one drop turned into an interception that Carlton Davis uh, had a nice return on, and the Bucks were then able to score on the ensuing drive. So CeeDee Lamb can't do that. Had, I think, nine drops last year, which was among the most in the NFL. That's not something he can be doing this year. That was huge. Same thing on Tampa Bay. Chris Godwin as well. One of the most surest hands in the NFL. And, uh, you know, his career had six drops. And in the postseason last year, he had like six drops. And that, to me, continued this week where Tom Brady threw a perfectly placed ball, you know, 40 yards deep. Uh, Chris Godwin could not reel it in wide open again. That was a big drop. He had another one as well, which turned into the interception. And then he fumbled the ball as well after he made a nice cut and spin move. And he fumbled it. So very sloppy play, you know, by both teams. Another one again, Mike Evans. To me, he kind of looked injured or hampered or his head was not in the game yesterday. Uh, He had a few catches. But there were two that were a little tipped, a little deflected, but were able to come into his area, and he still got a hand on them. But to me, it looked like he quit on the play, and once the defender you know, put a finger on that ball, he wasn't going to try and make the effort to catch the ball at all. It's like he just lost focus at that point, and that's something he has to fix, because especially the one with Trayvon Diggs, if his head were in the game, he could have taken... That one, at least for positive yards of the field, it didn't matter at least uh, because they still won the game. But that's something right there uh, to watch. And you see Tom Brady's favorite targets are at least what I saw. Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. To me, they get a ton of ton of targets. Clutch time, he's throwing it uh, to Gronk. It's players... Uh, he trusts. He has some more reps with. He's been with Gronk for 11 years. He just trusts Antonio Brown, a brother. He's invited to live in his house multiple times and has taken him around New England and now to Tampa Bay. Uh, you see that bond there, and that's who he targets. But to me, the Bucks won this game because they easily could have lost it. Again, four turnovers. You usually don't win a game when you are, you know, Minus three in the turnover department, but they still did. I thought Dallas had a really good game. Won the time of possession, had less penalties, uh, you know, had more yards than them as well. The key thing 
and them, you know, was their red zone. They were one for four in the red zone, settled for field goals and missed some. Greg Zerline, two missed field goals and a missed extra point. That right there is seven points at 29, then gets turned into uh, 37. And you're looking at all the points they left on the board and even in there. It could have been a blown game or Tampa Bay really, you know, that last drive really wouldn't have been much. So Dallas does have to work on some things as well, especially in the red zone in making those conversions. But hats up to the Bucks. They played a great game for the Bucks. I'm going to give them a C because I think their A game is last year in the Super Bowl. This past year, what they did to Patrick Mahomes, that's the best they've ever played, and that's the ability that we can see with all the starters that they have and that they've all returned. Uh, So last night, you know, a little sloppy on offense, on defense as well. That's why I give them a C. Uh, Tom Brady, I'll give an A because it was a clutch performance. Interceptions weren't his fault. 44 years old, 300 start. That was brilliant. Also give Dak an A. He looked great. And for the Cowboys, I'll give them a B. The reason I give them a higher grade is because I wasn't expecting this from them. They surprised me quite a bit. So that's why I'll give them that grade. And I give Dak the A because he came back and did that. Uh, they don't get an A. If they would have won the game, they would have gotten an A. But since they fell short, they'll still give them B and for their effort as well. Great game by the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe they do look like now the team to beat. In the NFC East, I thought they were, but, you know, they really don't have a tough, tough game, maybe until the Patriots or the Chiefs, a game like that in October and November, whereas the Bucks now, that was a difficult test. They got a few more upcoming in the Rams and Patriots before maybe they could run the table, but we will see. Now, what am I looking for? in each of the first NFL's matchup. Well, you have the 49ers and the Lions. The 49ers are the heaviest favorites so far to win, and deservedly so. The Lions stink up a joint. What am I looking for in this game? Well, for the 49ers, I just want to see a dominant performance with how bad the Lions are. I just want to see this team click. Jimmy Garoppolo to George Kittle. Joey Bosa back. I want to see a full performance. I want to see them cover that eight-point spread, put points on the board on this bad defense, and maybe a few defensive touchdowns as well. I think that's very capable of happening in this game. Joey Bosa familiar with Jared Goff. I think they can get that done. But on the Lions, however, if you're the Lions, you want to make it a close game. You want to show that you're competitive. Dan Campbell said that he expects his team to be competitive, you know, going into the fourth quarter into these football games. I don't buy it. I have the 49ers covering the eight-point spread and winning this game. Eagles-Falcons. To me, game isn't really exciting, but you do get to see Jalen Hurts and his progression from last year. Is the quarterback one, Devontae Smith as well. See what these kind of new guys are around for. For the Falcons, Matt Ryan no longer has a security blanket in Julio Jones. They drafted Kyle Pitts. 
Does Calvin Ridley have yet another a great game? Two teams where their defenses aren't good. These teams aren't expected uh, to be good. Who will get their first win of the season? I like the Atlanta Falcons uh, to win at home in this game. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, some odd happenings might occur here, but I think the Falcons get the win. The Steelers and the Bills, to me, this is a great matchup as well. We saw this late in the season last year where the Steelers were kind of sliding and the Bills were on an ascending and when it met, it just wasn't fair. Bills Mafia uh, came out, I believe this was a Sunday night or Monday night game, and the Bills routed uh, the Steelers. And I expect an opening statement from the Bills as well tomorrow or on Sunday. I think Josh Allen will have a great game. Stephon Diggs will be great as well. T.J. Watt might get some pressures on there, but the Bills will win this game because of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, uh, the connection they have, but also with Cole Beasley, the addition of Emmanuel Sanders. But if you're the Steelers, you also have a prospect of winning this game as well. Uh, Big Ben one more year, Juju Smith-Schuster as well, Chase Claypool. You drafted Najee Harris, who I think will be a star in this game, another stud Alabama running back. Uh, I want to see how this offensive line looks. So both protecting Ben Roethlisberger and blocking for uh, Najee Harris. Then I want to see the secondary. I think they're good up front with Cam Hayward and uh, TJ Watt, Devin Bush uh, ultimately coming back. But how will their secondary look, especially against a high-flying pass-happy Bills attack. But I'm still rolling with the Bills. The Vikings and the Bengals. Joe Burrow is back. This is exciting. His career his season cut short last year. He's got his boy Jamar Chase from LSU. Offensive line is still weak. But I do want to see some points put on the board from those two. That's exciting to watch. For the Vikings... How will this offensive line look? They drafted there, but will it mean much? Because this defense was horrible last year. Mike Zimmer, known to be this defensive philosophical coach, will he bounce back? Will his defense bounce back this year, or will they not? I don't think they'll have a major bounce back, but I think they'll do just enough to beat the Bengals this week. But it could be an upset brewing. If the Bengals win, this could be a very bad season for the Vikings that sees Mike Zimmer get cut. Cardinals-Titans. Another exciting matchup. A lot of new additions on each side. But Titans now, Julio Jones. They brought in Josh Reynolds as well as her for a slot wide receiver. So they, Ryan Tannehill has offensive weapons galore. Josh Reynolds. Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, the best running back in football, and Derrick Henry. I want to see this defense, though, as well. Our man proved from last year where they couldn't get to the quarterback to save their life. They signed Bed Dupree and some others to generate more of a pass rush. Will they be able to get that done? The Cardinals, as well. Kyler Murray, is he going to take another step this year? They signed A.J. Green and other veterans to help him out. But again, what will this defense do? It'll be a very early test now when they have weapons 
as such as Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. Malcolm Butler is retired or on the retired list for the Cardinals. Byron Murphy back there. Buda Baker, how will they handle this Titans attack? I like the Titans to win this game uh, because I think they'll be very balanced, both running the football and passing it. Ryan Tannehill will actually be the difference maker in this game and be better than Kyler Murray. Seahawks and the Colts, this has upset potential all over it. Why? I look at the Seahawks last year and how good their offense was, but when they ran into a tough defense test late in the season last year against the Giants, they lost 12-7 at home. It was complete embarrassment. The Colts have one of the best defenses and I think can contain Russell Wilson. That's what I want to see. Can they contain him? I think it can be possible with DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard and company. I think they have the tools in the tool shed to do that. For the Seahawks, I want to see this offense. How do they match up with this good defense? Uh, do they lean on Russell Wilson? Do they let Russ cook? Or does hard-hearted and hard-headed Pete Carroll keep on with his philosophy of running the football with a running back that's not top 10 in Chris Carson? Against a stout rush defense, I guess we'll see. But I think the Seahawks win and Russell Wilson bails him out yet again in a close one. Chargers and the football team, another a great one. You've got you know defensive uh, rookie of the year and uh, Chase Young, offensive rookie of the year, Justin Herbert uh, going at it. Uh, Washington has a great defense. Chargers have this great offense. I think in this one, the Chargers are going to win it. I think Justin Herbert's going to play great with Keenan Allen. Drafted an offensive lineman as well to help him out. Uh, really not a ton of holes in this roster as well. Uh, Joey Bosa there on the defensive side as well, I think will pressure whatever quarterback is playing for the football team, Heineke or Fitzpatrick, doesn't matter. The Chargers will get this win. The Jets and the Panthers, a lot being made of Sam Darnold facing his former team, Zach Wilson. Which one do you like? I like Zach Wilson. I'm picking the Jets to win this game. I've got no faith in Sam Darnold. Uh, More interceptions than touchdowns are just about the same. Not a great quarterback rating. I think Salah... uh, the culture that he's built here in New York, Zach Wilson, his leadership ability, that's what I want to see. I want to see this offense. I want to see him play well. I think they will. For the Panthers, I know we got Christian McCaffrey. Sam Darnold has more weapons. I want to see them play well offensively. I think this thing could be a shootout. However, I think there's going to be rookie mistakes made by Zach Wilson and just some trepidation over there by Sam Darnold. But I think the Jets get the surprising win Against the, against the Panthers this weekend. Jaguars and Texans. Now this should be interesting. Why? Well, you got Trevor Lawrence, newly drafted quarterback. That's what I want to see. I want to see him play well uh, as well because I think he'll be under a ton of pressure. Maybe not from this Texans team because they've got no defense. But I want to see Trevor Lawrence. How does he look in the first real, real NFL game of his career. For the Texans, how does this offense look without Deshaun Jackson or Deshaun Watson? 
Tyra Taylor was named a starter. They really don't have a ton of offensive weapons or defensive playmakers. Is this team even competitive at all? Or are the Texans actually going to tank for a number one draft pick and take the new heir to Deshaun Watson? Because I don't see him staying on this Texans team. Because of that, I have the Jaguars winning this game. The Dolphins and the Patriots starts the afternoon slots. This, to me, will be a great, great game. Uh, it's in New England. I want to see Mac Jones. How does he deal with a decent Miami defense? Can he make plays like he did in the preseason, like he's been talking about training and the walkthroughs with his girlfriend in the backyard? Can he do it? Will these returners... From the Patriots that didn't play last year because of COVID, will they make a difference? For the Dolphins, I want to see Tua be the Tua we saw in Alabama. He's got his buddy Jalen Waddle who can break open the defense. We've got uh, Devontae Parker as well, Mike Kosecki. They've got offensive weapons. Can they do it? Bill Belichick is a better coach other than Brian Flores. I think the Patriots squeak this one out. And there's a lot of talk after this week on how the Patriots are back. I won't buy it, but I think Tua makes some mistakes that he just cannot make that will cost them the game. The Packers and the Saints. Last year, I'm just going to say this. Last year, the Saints couldn't beat the Packers at home uh, with Drew Brees. Now they're playing in Jacksonville. And they don't have Drew Brees. I'm picking the Packers to win this game. But this is what I want to see from the Saints. I know Alvin Kamara is a stud. There's no Michael Thomas. That hurts uh, Jameis Winston. But how does Jameis Winston look? The Packers don't have you know a great defense. Not top 10. But they have a, one of the best corners in Jair Alexander. How does he handle that test? Does he throw his way? How do we kind of game plan for that? I think they run the ball a lot through Alvin Kamara and find creative ways to just give him the ball. For the Packers, I want to see Aaron Rodgers carve this defense. I want to see him and Devontae Adams, uh, you know, I want to see 400 yards passing from Aaron Rodgers. I want to see two touchdowns, 100-plus yards from Devontae Adams in a very tumultuous offseason. I want to see the Packers put up points, and I think the Packers will do better win this game. The Broncos and the Giants. To me, the Broncos have one of the best defenses in the league. I think they're great, but I want to see them live up you know, to the hype and the standards that I have for them. I also want to see this offense, is Teddy Bridgewater the right decision? Because they've got offensive weapons. Can they get it done? The Giants. What do I want to see? I want to see their offense as well. I want to see if Daniel Jones takes the leap we saw Josh Allen take last year in his year three. Can he do that? They added Kenny Galladay. Saquon Barkley's back. They have Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. Uh, they've got playmakers to do it. 
But can they? That is a question mark there that, you know, separates them from missing the playoffs and making the playoffs. I think the Giants do get the win here. It's close. Broncos have played great defensively, but they don't have the quarterback to mount a comeback. Then the game I'm really looking forward to. The Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs, a rematch of last year's AFC Divisional round where the Browns nearly pulled off the upset with Patrick Mahomes out most of the second half. Can they do it? Can the Browns get over the edge? To me, this will be a great matchup. I'm looking uh, to see Patrick Mahomes and the continuity of his offense. Uh, Him, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. I want to see this offensive line create some holes to where... All the pressure is not on Patrick Mahomes and make him run at a yard for a first down and they don't have to get you know, creative with Tyreek Hill in a play that could burn them early on in the season or later as well. For the Browns, I want to see if this defense is improved. Patrick Mahomes in this offense can carve anybody up at any given moment, at any time, any field. But will the Browns be able to do it? Can they generate... A pass rush with just four, like the uh, Buccaneers did in the Super Bowl. With may now have Jadavion Clowney added with Miles Garrett. Will Jeremiah Wosukoromoa be NFL ready tomorrow? Uh, Denzel Ward, Newsome back there. Uh, Troy Hill, Johnson, rehaul defense. Will it matter much against this Chiefs team? And I also want to see the Browns. Start up fast. I do think the Chiefs have a bad taste in their mouth from losing the Super Bowl last year in that fashion. I think this game is competitive for the most part, but at the end, the Chiefs pull away and are still the supremacy, the top dog in the AFC. The Bears and the Rams. Sunday night football. Ooh, what do I like in this matchup? Well, Matthew Stafford, my pick for MVP, is leading the Rams to their first win Sunday night. I'm just going to say it. I'm looking for Matthew Stafford. That's the only thing I want to see is how he looks in Sean McVay's offense, dealing it uh, to uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, throwing it downfield to Deshaun uh, Jackson. How does he look? I think he'll be great, but that's what I want to see. And I want to see if the depth of this Rams defense will be tested at all. For the Bears, I want to see a good defensive game. I want to see Matt Nagy really coach this defense, uh, put Khalil Mack in situations uh, to win, uh, to pressure. Uh, Matthew Stafford, Matt Nagy, Khalil Mack are familiar with Matthew Stafford when he was with the Detroit Lions, and they had a game plan against him twice a year, and vice versa. Will that experience come into play? And will Andy Dalton last the whole game? Or will we see any Justin Fields at all? Big question. Don't think it matters. I got the Rams winning this game. Those are what I want to see in matchups. You know, I am all looking forward to in week one. Now to go to college football. Time to make some college football picks. The first is tonight. Kansas and Coastal 
Carolina. Coastal Carolina has now jumped up to 17, and I think they dominate Kansas. I do. I think uh, Grayson McCall, at quarterback, uh, will be just as efficient as well as Shamari Jones at running back. I think they run over Kansas. They pass all over Kansas, and this is an easy win uh, for Coastal Carolina. Then you have Oregon and Ohio State tomorrow morning. Big game there. It for you. I think after what I saw last week from Oregon against Fresno State, just pulling it out at home uh, when they were up, you know, twenty-one to six, but then they let Fresno come back and take a twenty-four twenty-one lead. I saw resilience by Oregon. But if they let Ohio State, you know, play around like that, it will be a long game. Ohio State, you know, did the same thing with Minnesota, but they really took off and won more convincingly than Oregon did. I think C.J. Stroud will outplay Anthony Brown as well. Verdell is a great wide receiver for Oregon, but Olave is even better for Ohio State and Ohio State. Gets a big win here in this top 15 matchup. I don't like it. Rooting for Oregon. But I think Ohio State gets it done. Then a very other interesting matchup is Pittsburgh and Tennessee. I'm rolling with Pittsburgh. I think Tennessee's up-tempo offense is great. But I just don't trust Joe Milton in these games. Pittsburgh has a great Great defense. Joe Milton, to me, didn't inspire much confidence last week. I think he faces a tough defense like he did last year in the Big Ten. He crumbles, and I think he crumbles again against Pittsburgh. You know, I wish the best for Joe Milton because uh, he was all hyped up to me and was a great quarterback prospect. It didn't work out. Now he's transferred. It's no hard feelings. I just like Pittsburgh uh, to get the win. Then Florida versus South Florida, kind of an in-arrival matchup here between Florida schools and Florida will cruise all over South Florida. Mullen, quarterback or coach for uh, the Gators, is looking to get his 100th victory, and I think he will as they visit USF. USF will not compete with Florida at all. Then you have Texas A&M and Colorado. It's in Colorado. You know, they used to be together, you know, in their uh, division in the Big 12. But now Texas A&M and the SEC Colorado in the Pac-12. And I think Texas A&M gets it done. I think Jimbo Fisher, I would like to see Haynes King, quarterback for Texas A&M, cut off those interceptions. Uh, But I don't think uh, the offense of Colorado... Uh, will put up as many points as the Texas A&M team. It's simple as that. Then you have game day. Iowa, Iowa State, top 10 matchup. Number 10 versus number 9. This is one I go back and forth on. Uh, Iowa has won, I believe, the past four years as well. But the last two games has just been... A nail-biter, I believe, the last time they won. Uh, they didn't play last year because of COVID, but two years ago, I think Iowa won 
by one point. Iowa State has been knocking on the door in this Cyhawk rivalry. Do they get it done? It's in Iowa State. Great year last year. I just don't know. It's tough. I just feel like the Big Ten is a different league than the Big 12. Iowa has a real defense. Iowa State does not see a defense like Iowa at all in their regular season. Whereas Iowa sees great offenses every year in the Big Ten. And I think Iowa's defense will be the difference maker. It was last week against Indiana. They get it done. It's close. But I like Iowa's defense and Kirk Ferentz's team not turning the ball over. Then Texas and Arkansas. I like Texas to win this game. Hudson Card looked like the right choice last week. Freshman, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, excellent game plan. Familiar against Arkansas, too, when he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Uh, prepped a lot of games against Arkansas. He'll do it just fine, just again. And I think he'll blow the brakes off Arkansas. Last time, Steve Sarkeesian was on the field and they played out uh, Arkansas. Alabama won 52-3. to Maybe it won't be that big of a margin of victory, but it will be a blowout and not competitive. And you have a game I'm really looking forward to, Washington and Michigan. Washington, disappointing loss last week to Montana. Michigan, very high win over Western Michigan, but they lost Ronnie Bell. I want to see... If Michigan looks as good without Ronnie Bell, can they still zip as fast without him? Washington had a huge loss, though, to Montana. This can fuel your team and, you know, really turn it around after a loss like that, or it can send you spiraling down. I don't think Michigan lets Washington, you know, sniff a victory in this game. I think Michigan steps on the defeated Huskies that they already are and finishes them off. I think it could be close in the first half, but Michigan separates himself in the second half. Michigan wins this game, both teams, you know, with a lot to prove and say for their season. It would be a very disappointing loss for Michigan. Utah and BYU. This game seems like it's played a lot. They're close. Utah has won nine straight over BYU. Some of them are close, and I just feel like it's going to be ten straight. Uh, the Utes are just in a different league, Pac-12, you know, over, you know, the Mountain West or the AAC, whatever the big BYU plays in. Uh, I believe it's the Mountain West, or Independent, actually. But they don't win this game here. Then lastly, Stanford versus USC. Long-standing rivalry. Always they meet early in the season, but USC is going to dominate. I don't know if Stanford will ever return to its glory days. It was within Jim Harbaugh in some of those first early years with David Shaw, who was a coach I love. But after seeing that Kansas State uh, beat down last week, I really have no faith in Stanford uh, this season. I think USC will get the win here. Now moving to the MLB. Breaking news I just got in from ESPN is Trevor Bauer will miss remainder of regular season and postseason 
after MLB, MLBPA agree to extend leave, Trevor Bauer is not coming back. This is huge for the uh, team. They already have great depth, as I mentioned yesterday, uh, with Walker Bueller, uh, Max Scherzer, Julio Urias. Uh, they're just playing well. They haven't even had Clayton Kershaw and some other pitchers uh, really pitch most of the year. The Trevor Bauer one hurts, but they're set up uh, to withstand a Trevor Bauer, and I think that's why they acquired Max Scherzer, because they didn't think he's coming back, and he is not. What else? Yankees lost yet again yesterday uh, to the Blue Jays. That's four straight. They dropped to the Blue Jays, and they've actually dropped six in a row. The series against the Blue Jays never had a lead. There was a home series, first time since 1924. They just had a like three and a half game advantage in the wild card. They were once upon a time like three games behind the Rays. They are now in the second wild card spot, a game behind the Red Sox, a half game up on the Blue Jays, ten games back of the division. What has gone wrong? Joey Gallo cannot hit Glaber Torres. Forgot how to play baseball. And everyone else is streaky. DJ LeMahieu, John uh, Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge is the only rock on this team. And they don't have a real manager to boot. And Aaron Boone, he needs to go. If he was under my watch or the old Stye Brenner or anybody else's watch, he would be gone by now. Uh, it looks like that 13-game win streak was just a fluke. And the Yankees are seriously on the verge of missing the playoffs after a 13-game winning streak. But now we play the Mets, who's also been sliding. Jordan Montgomery pitching tonight. Tyler McGill pitching. Yankees need to win this one. I think it'll be close somehow, even though it shouldn't. But these Subway Series games are usually close as well. But that's not the only good baseball game on. You've got the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago White Sox, the two Sox, and they're both sitting at 80 wins uh, for the season. Tonight you've got Tanner Howick pitching for the Red Sox, who has not won a game, and Carlos Rodon, the, one of the better pitchers for the White Sox as well. That should be interesting. But to me, the baseball game I'm most excited for, not the Yankees, surprisingly. It's the San Diego Padres. Why? Because they play the Los Angeles Dodgers. I want to see some real fire in this Padres team that, you know, a couple months ago was right in the race with the Dodgers and the Giants. But they have since then trailed off and will probably get a second wild card spot. But could most likely play this Dodgers team. I need to see a couple convincing wins here against the Dodgers to prove they'll belong in that wild card game. Joe Musgrove pitching tonight, and Julio Urias pitching for the Dodgers, who is one of their better pitchers. I Dodgers will probably win tonight, but I want to see Tatis play well. To me, he's much better and lively as a shortstop than he is playing left field or center field or any of those. But Padres need to string up a win or two this weekend. Then last but not least, I'm going to just touch on the Ryder Cup. 
Patrick Reed dubbed Captain America in 2018 uh, for a great performance he put on. Was not on a Ryder Cup team. Steve Stricker did not pick him. And then Patrick Reed goes on liking tweets, disparaging Steve Stricker. I get it. Patrick Reed is not a well-liked guy at all. Yes, he has a great record, but you already have a couple guys, you know, that don't get along. You know, Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka and what Bryson DeChambeau said to Patrick Cantlay a couple weeks ago at the BMW Championship. You really don't want more drama than what already exists in this Ryder Cup team. I think the USA has much more talent than Team Europe, but I think Team Europe has the better chemistry. So we'll see when the Ryder Cup plays out in a few weeks. But that's it, folks. Hope you all enjoy Thursday Night Football. A lot of great college football games and NFL games on this weekend. Hope you enjoy them. Hope you have a great weekend. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.